the reboots of two people don't amount to a hill of beans in this crazy world. This week on Rebooted, Rebooted, the podcast where we are recasting classic movie reboots so Hollywood doesn't have to do it. Classic is the definition this week as we talk about 1942's Casablanca, historically known as the most untouchable remake in Hollywood history starring Humphrey Bogart, Ingrid Bergman, Paul Henreid, Claude Rains, and Dooley Wilson. Uh, I had never seen this movie. Really? And I, yes, and I had decided that before our 100th episode, I should rectify that and fill in this particular gap in my cinematic learning. I don't know if I have to say this, but this movie is really fucking good. Yeah. Objectively, this movie is incredible. You can't deny it. it. Yeah, despite Humphrey Bogart looking like he was 84 when he shot this film, <laughs> this movie's tremendous. It's true. There's a part where somebody's like, we have a dossier on you. You're 37. And I said, 37? <laughs> Why did you have to come to Casablanca? There are other places. I wouldn't have come if I'd known that you were here. Believe me, Rick, it's true. I didn't know. It's funny about your voice, how it hasn't changed. I can still hear it. Richard, dear, I'll go with you any place. We'll get on a train together and never stop. Don't, Rick. I can understand how you feel. You understand how I feel. How long was it we had, honey? I didn't count the days. Well, I did. Every one of them. Mostly I remember the last one. The wow finish. A guy standing on a station platform in the rain with a comical look on his face because his insides had been kicked out. Rick, you big, big Ugh. dumb dummy. Um, so I'm sure many people know this, but a bit of Hollywood trivia. In the 1980s... It's according to IMDb's trivia. It's not my trivia. It's the at the hallowed halls of IMDb trivia. In the 1980s, this film script was sent to readers at a number of major studios and production companies under its original title, Everybody Comes to Rick's. Some readers recognized the script and most did not. Many complained that the script was not good enough to make a decent movie. Other gave such complaints as, quote, too dated, quote, too much dialogue, and, quote, not enough sex. Now, having never seen this movie, I can agree. I wanted to see Humphrey Bogart's old fucking wrinkly body <laughs> cast in that light, just going at it, it's, just going at it. It's really interesting that they say that there's not enough sex because I actually at one point in this movie, while I was watching this movie, I was like, the draw of Rick is that he has some sort of like raw magnetism, like everybody mm-hmm. wants to know him. All the women want to be with him. Everybody wants to have a drink with him. But what's interesting is that there's really no reason for that. Like, it's not like it's not like Humphrey Bogart is playing him as this, like, ultra suave, very, like, secretive. Like, he's, he's abrasive. He's not nice. He's, like, there's so much about him where I was like, this guy, like, I feel like Rick's got to be, like, a certified hottie. Like, he needs that hmm. going for him, too, if, if from my perspective. It was a little strange because, like, you meet Rick and he is, uh, and I know this is the intro to the episode, guys. I don't worry. I'll get to the introductions. But when yeah. you meet Rick in this episode, he is cold. He is just like, he, he, he he's not someone that, you, that wants to hear your shit. He doesn't, you, like, he doesn't want to share himself. He's so closed off. And then we flash back to like the Paris moments and he seems sort of out of place. You're like mm-hmm. for the last like 40 minutes, you've been completely like a complete dick. 
And now I'm supposed to see you when you're at your jolly most happy. And it still feels like he's really like, he's really just like, wow, wow, let's get on a boat and have some fun, doll. And you're like, okay, I guess people like that back back in that day. No, 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 no. Nobody has ever liked that. (laughs) And that is the problem. People watch Humphrey Bogart and they're like, this is what the women want. See? And every woman's like, no, we've never wanted this. Don't act like this. <laughs> uh, guys, welcome to Rebooted. I am Brian Flynn. With me as always is Kenneth Trent. We're going to take a classic Hollywood movie and reboot it as if it was to be remade today. Talking about Casablanca, obviously, it, it, it's going to be a challenge. Like this thing, this, this, there's a reason this, you know, you shouldn't touch, you shouldn't meddle in things. Like it, it falls apart when you start to really analyze it, but we're going to do our best this week mm-hmm. as we march to our 100th episode. Oh, uh, oh get oh. ready, guys. Um, but before we do that, uh, we do have some, we do have some reboot news that we do like to share with our, with our listeners here. Um, this is a, uh, this isn't too fresh. This isn't the freshest fish, but Scott Derrickson, director of Dr. Strange, and that Exorcist movie starring Eric Bana, which I forget at this moment. The um, Deliver Us from Evil. Evil. Yes. Evil. Yes. Evil. Evil is set to direct Labyrinth sequel for TriStar Pictures. Maggie Levin set to write script. Um, so a couple months ago over in the Marvel offices, there was a bit of a hubbub that Scott Derrickson, who was supposed to direct Doctor Strange 2, uh, decided to part ways over creative differences for whatever reason. Mm-hmm. I cannot say. I have signed NDAs, but I also don't know. Wow. Um, <laughs> I also don't know. They really, they really separate. Mm-hmm. Like it's, it's pretty, pretty bureaucratic over there. They just, they don't want anyone to know what the pieces are. But he has moved on to direct the highly anticipated sequel to the Labyrinth, uh, the original, which starred David Bowie and Jennifer Connelly. Uh, and has maintained a fever, a feverish cult status amongst fans for mm-hmm. generations. Um, I'm not, I'm not a labyrinth guy. I'm not a dark crystal guy. I think I've seen the movie once. I don't remember it very much. I know the song, mm-hmm. the babe, the babe with the what, the power, the power to the voodoo, who do you do, do what? Remind me of the babe. Did I did it right? Remind me of the babe. I don't know. I don't know. Okay. <laughs> um, how do you feel about this? Are you are you a Labyrinth fan? Are you a um, Scott Derrickson fanatic? I've, are you a, Der- a Derrickson head? I've never seen Labyrinth. Um, I'm aware of the. I'm aware of David Bowie and what it is and. Dance magic dance. I'm aware of it. Never seen it. It's not my thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I am a Derrickson head. <laughs> okay. Weirdly enough, Scott Derrickson and C. Robert Cargill, who wrote and directed Sinister, one of my favorite horror movies, um, Exorcism of Emily Rose, Incredible, Delivers from Evil. Uh, I think I think maybe this is coming off the heels of the Dark Crystal TV show doing well and maybe inspiring uh, a new interest. It feels a little iconic to try to mess with at all, especially in the memory of David Bowie. 
but who who am who am I but someone who consistently warns that we shouldn't remake movies and then they do it anyway, you know? <laughs> and so in in rebellion you've decided to make 98 episodes of a reboot <laughs> podcast to do the exact same yes. thing. Yes. Um I agree. I don't know how you step into the 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 legend of David Bowie. I can't even think of can't even think of an actor. And unfortunately, yeah. the one that immediately pops to mind, I dare not speak his name on this podcast, lest receive the wrath, lest the exorcism of Kenneth Trent crawls out of my computer screen. Who? A Jonathan Depp. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Again, I'm not saying he should. I'm, I'm saying that that was just like the first... That was even just like my the first idea, which is never mm-hmm. always the best idea. Mm-hmm. But I'm like, who, who are we gonna get to be David fucking Bowie? Like <sighs> Ziggy, like uh, I don't know, name? Harry Styles. No. Okay, geez, I think that's a pretty good idea, <laughs> actually. I don't know. This is this. Here's the thing. I I I dare not wander into this realm of fandom because I don't know what I I don't know I don't know very well, and I don't want to say things like. I don't know, but I, good luck to Scott Derrickson for, yeah. uh, for trying. Uh, um, we wish you the best. Okay, so trigger warning ahead. If you are like me and you cannot possibly hear the words relaunching the dark universe again, be warned because I'm about to say it. So Variety, in a very bold move, says... Months after Universal successfully relaunched its monster universe with Elizabeth Moss's The Invisible Man. Okay, I guess we're all just going to go down this garden path again. The studio is pushing ahead for a Wolfman remake being developed as a starring vehicle for Ryan Gosling. Uh, this is the, from the Variety article, literally lifted from the, the, the text here. It is unknown what the new take on, quote, on Wolfman will look like, though it is believed to be set in present times and in the vein of Jake Gyllenhaal's thriller Nightcrawler. Now, the balls of Variety to be like, <laughs> Universal has successfully relaunched their monster universe with the Invisible Man is insane. Was the so- Invisible Man incredible? Mm-hmm. Absolutely, I think that is definitely my favorite movie of this year. Probably because it's one of two movies I got to see in the theater. <laughs> the other being Sonic the Hedgehog, which is also oh, kind of giving the Invisible Man run for its money. Now, um, just the arrogance to say like we nailed the Invisible Man, we're gonna nail the Wolf Man, and here Frankenstein, the Mummy, and Dracula are. All lined like we're gonna. Fu- here we go. Can't you just let things be? Here's, like, can't you just let things be? Here's the thing, and I'll I'll fight tooth and nail for this take. The Invisible Man was successful, I think, singularly because of Lee Wanell's vision for the movie, and the decision to cast Elizabeth Moss. Incredible. I don't think I like. I think it is so presumptuous to be like Universal did it. No, 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 no. The machine of Universal created The Mummy starring Tom Cruise. This is, here's the, here's the thing. I mean, 
I will see this movie. This could be fine. This could be this could be Ryan Gosling watching The Invisible Man and being like, "Hey, if we created very uh, prescient stories for these like old monsters, like that's something we can do." But I we've just been burned so many times. So instead of bashing these people who you know, we, we love the talent, we love the talent of Ryan Gosling. That's the pro. Yeah. Uh I love Nightcrawler. If it is executed to the way that they are aiming, that's a pro. Things we hate. Here are the cons. The dark universe. <laughs> yes. Universal successfully relaunched its monster universe. That's a con. First of all, it's a lie. It's not Blumhouse true. did. <laughs> Universal said, we don't know what we're doing, and so we're going to give it to the horror people to make horror versions of our classic monsters, and it worked. So don't give Universal any fucking credit here. I, like you, am very nervous that Russell Crowe is going to show up as Dr. Jekyll and just fucking, the, here we go. They're still going to try to, like, shoehorn that in? Yeah. Who are you? I'm a doctor. A doctor. Chemical pathology, neurosurgery. Fellow of the Royal Society. I'm also a lawyer. My name is Jekyll. Dr. Henry Jekyll. Here's what's funny is that I I love I now I think I love stories about the dark universe. Mm-hmm. Like I now <laughs> like on the other I've gone so crazy about this. That I'm on the other side of it, and it now is bringing me, like, joy on the level that, like, an insane person talks to themselves. Like, that's kind of where I am here. You're in a padded room laughing to yourself about the dark <laughs> like universe. Colin Farrell will be the, the creature from the Black Lagoon. It's going to be great. And then they'll fight. <laughs> they'll fight the mummy. Blah. Oh, Man. God. All right. Well, let's talk about a movie that inspires filmmakers. Uh, You ready to talk about this movie? Yeah, let's do it. Okay, guys, this is our attempt to reboot Casablanca. No, Richard, no, what has happened to you last night? Last night we said a great many things. You said I was to do the thinking for both of us. Well, I've done a lot of it since then. It all adds up to one thing. You're getting on that plane with Victor where you belong. But, Richard, no, I... Now, you've got to listen to me. You have any idea what you'd have to look forward to if you stayed here? Nine chances out of ten, we'd both wind up at a concentration camp. Isn't that true, Louis? I'm afraid, Major Strauss, I would insist. You're saying this only to make me go. I'm saying it because it's true. Inside of us, we both know you belong with Victor. You're part of his work, the thing that keeps him going. If that plane leaves the ground and you're not with him, you'll regret it. Maybe not today, maybe not tomorrow, but soon and for the rest of your life. But what about us? We'll always have Paris. This film has six quotes on AFI's top movie quotes. Mm-hmm. Uh, number five, here's looking at you, kid. That's the highest. Mm-hmm. 20, Louis, I think this is the beginning of a beautiful friendship. 28, play it, Sam. Play as time goes by. 32, round up the usual suspects. And 43, we'll always have Paris. Oh, and 67, of all the gin joints in all the towns and all the world, she walks into mind. Um, they are often all misquoted. Yes, yes. <laughs> and what's so funny is like watching this movie, like you, this movie feels so familiar because it has been parodied and stolen from so many times. Mm-hmm. 
that it, it it's a it feels like a movie of cliches now. Weirdly, yeah, it's one of those movies that it's almost hard to watch seriously because you're like, oh, this is Casablanca, the greatest movie of all time. Ooh, but I think if you really just like let yourself watch it and let yourself be carried away by it, you can you can get em- emotionally invested. You you see how this like what's so funny is that like Humphrey Bogart. And again, this is to the audience who like if you if this is your favorite movie, I'm just letting you know, there's no way I'm going to know the depth of trivia that this movie mm-hmm. that comes with this movie. It, it's it's extensive. Like you could build a library to this movie. But what's funny is that like Humphrey Bogart and Humphrey Bogart and Ingrid Bergman hated making this movie, mm-hmm. and they were like, "This is the worst movie I've ever made." And then it comes together. Like, it, it didn't even have a script while they were shooting it. And then suddenly it all comes together. And it's like, everyone's like, perfection. Perfection. You did it. And it's it, But it's weird. Like, yeah, you watch it. And there's like a magic to it. And you're just, it, it just, it just works. And, and I get why people have been so hesitant, if not demanding that this never be remade. Mm-hmm. Um According to IMDb, IMDb, and again, IMDb is not the most accurate of trivia uh, gems, but this one I hope is true. Back in the early to mid two thousands, Madonna wanted to remake Casablanca. Of course, she with did. her, of course, with her playing Ilsa and Ashton Kutcher in the role of Rick Blaine. That is a choice. That's about a twenty year age difference. Um, Madonna pitched the idea to every studio but was unanimously rejected by all of them with one studio executive telling her that this film is deemed untouchable. Well, sir, I say nuts. That's an old saying that uh, (laughs) they used to say back in the 40s. Are you you just saying it to say it or do you really think this movie... I'm saying that we're doing it now. I... uh, I don't whether or not at the end I say whether it should be made or not. I'll I'll hold off on that, but we're okay. doing it now. Okay. So you know what, sir? Nuts. Nuts, Nuts to you. Right. Um, but if anyone's wondering, the project Madonna, the Madonna project is is pretty much dead. Um. Okay. So should we start with Rick? Yes. Um. Who wants to go? First? I guess I'll go first. Yeah. As the new guy. Um. What I really loved about this movie is it how international this cast is. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there were only three Americans in the whole billing. Uh, and many of the stars and extras were refugees that had escaped Nazi Germany. Now, mm-hmm. I tried to keep that idea as much as possible. However, not many young people have escaped from Nazis. It's true. Uh, I mean, I TBD, don't know. TBD in the future. There's a, there's a <laughs> resurgence. So Yes. Hopefully that won't happen. Um, yeah, specifically Rick though, like he's such a hard, uh, character to crack because he's the type of character like today feels very worn out Mm -hmm. because like, you know, anti-hero who's like on their own and they're very cold and then they have a change of heart to fight for the good guys. Like we've seen this type over the decades and it's hard to conceptualize a fresh take on that. Like it's hard to. It's hard to be like, let's make Han Solo again and be like, oh, I really enjoy this again. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. 
But on top of that, if Rick's chemistry with Ilsa doesn't work, this movie sucks and you're dead. Yes. So there's also that pressure. Um, okay. I'm going to tell you who I picked. <laughs> okay. And then I'm going to tell you how I sort of came to it. Okay. Um, I picked John David Washington, mm-hmm. who will at some point this month star in Tenet in a movie theater that I- people might see him in. August? August? Did they they moved it to I thought they moved it to end of July. Did they put it to August? No. Who who knows? Anyways. Um Black Klansman. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean ballers, but that's not like what he's known for. Um the thing okay, here's the thing. I really like this actor. I think you and I both really enjoy this actor. Yes. Um the thing I decided to hang my hat on for Rick is like, why did he leave America? It's something that the writers deliberately left ambiguous because they thought it was much cooler that like no one knows why Rick can't go back to America. Mm -hmm. And so that's the thing that I kept thinking about, like, why did Rick leave America? Does he want to go back to America? And I thought maybe answering this question would help give new Rick a little more divergence from the original. Mm Mm-hmm. And so I was thinking about the timeline and I thought about like who would actually leave America and end up in the jazz scene in Paris before the war. And I just thought it would be most likely an African-American character. Mm-hmm. And whether or not it's like a criminal background or whatever, I think that gives a little more divergence from the like I, I feel like that gives a little more grounded in history. And gives a different perspective for Rick for a context of today. Mm-hmm. I know I'm being, I, I'm still being vague as to like the specifics for why my African American Rick is leaving, but that just felt more sensible to me than Humphrey Bogart's version. Does that make sense? Yeah, I think it's interesting to think about it from the perspective of like they do tell us that he is he. It's he doesn't have a criminal history, but if you were looking at it from the wrong side, you would think this man is always fighting for the wrong side. I've often speculated on why you don't return to America. Did you abscond with the church funds? Did you run off with the senator's wife? I like to think that you killed a man. It's the romantic in me. It's a combination of all three. And what in heaven's name brought you to Casablanca? My health. I came to Casablanca for the waters. The waters? What waters? We're in the desert. I was misinformed. So that's the thing where they're like, they, they, everyone has a guess as to why. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess in my mind that it was just like, maybe Rick is just someone who like saw what was happening in Europe and was like, maybe this is a better place for me yeah. than wherever America. Um, yeah, um, I think from that, yeah. like, obviously I love John David Washington. And I think it's one of those things where like, I don't know, you don't have to, Maybe the beauty of Rick is that we spend the whole movie hearing of different exploits and we never really know. We never really know what's true or not about him. But what we know is that he loved this woman and that he is ultimately in the interest of helping people get out of Casablanca. Yeah. And I think... I'm worried that he's not sexy enough for you because that's how you put it earlier. I'm like, oh, he's he... got to be a hundred percent certified I'm... hot tamale. <laughs> he's the child of Denzel. No, I, mean, I no, I think that's great. I think John David Washington is incredible. Like, yeah, he's hot. I mean, he's he's got this. 
<laughs> I'm a little freaked out by how my choice sits next to your choice. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> because, and maybe, and here's the thing, what I've said about Rick needing to be uh, sexy beyond all reason, I'm exaggerating, might not fit with for some people with this, but I think it works. Okay. Um, I picked Robert Pattinson. That's so weird. <laughs> yes, it is. Uh, Co-star of July's Tenant. Yes. So they're starring in a movie together. <laughs> um, but I think there is this, like, obviously, when it, when you're recasting Humphrey Bogart, I think there is a certain gravitas to that, where, like, this man has such an impact on, on cinema that mm-hmm. it's almost hard to imagine anybody saying these lines the same way. And so I really thought about it and I was like, well, who, who are the people who I would automatically go to? Cause I'm like, Oh, well, Humphrey Bogart, one of the biggest movie stars of all time. Like who, who fits that bill? And I think I had to take a step back and be like, no, I want him to be a little bit younger than maybe some of these people I might run to. And I want him to just be, I just want to match that talent level. Do you mind if I ask you a few questions? Unofficially, of course. Make it official if you like. What is your nationality? I'm a drunkard. (laughs) And that makes Rick a citizen of the world. I was born in New York City, if that'll help you, honey. I understand that you came here from Paris at the time of the occupation. There seems to be no secret about that. Are you one of those people who cannot imagine the Germans and their beloved Paris? Not particularly my beloved Paris. Can you imagine us in London? When you get there, ask me. I mean... If you can be Batman, you can be Rick, which is a really weird thing to say. And but here's like, the thing. I don't know how many people saw The Lighthouse. but I tried. I think there was a moment where he was shirtless and shoveling coal <laughs> that it really just hit me. And I say this as a woman who read every single Twilight book and then saw all the movies and am 100% undeniably Team Edward. It just didn't hit me until that point where I was like, wow, this guy is something else. I mean, he's a very attractive man. The thing that has always plagued Robert Pattinson, and and maybe this is because of Twilight, is that he's somehow like not a masculine actor, that he's somehow more like he has an effeminate quality Mm -hmm. that maybe mainstream people don't gravitate towards two but i think that's absolute bullshit because i think basically he was a child actor Mm -hmm. who was thrust into this like weird preteen sex vampire franchise Mm -hmm. and that's a weird thing to come out of as like a thespian it's sort of like jude law right like Jude Law was pushed into these like romantic lead rom-com action hero roles and he was fine. Yeah. But it wasn't until he got older and like lost his hair that he could like, he was just like, I don't have to be sexy anymore. I can just be like the full on character actor I am. Yeah. And he even got like more sexy and you're just like, because like, yeah. his, because he just like blossomed into the powerhouse that he is. Mm-hmm. That's sort of how I see Robert Pattinson is that it's like, 
he's beholden to these old ideas of himself. A lot of a lot of actors that we pick, like last week I picked Shia LaBeouf, like the same thing. Like we mm-hmm. you hold them because you remember them in their early work, and now they're starting to move out of that. So I totally get it. But I think both of these actors are at a really interesting point in their careers where like in multiple senses of the word, like they're they're attractive hot, but they're also just like hot on the scene. Like I think yeah. their talent is being recognized for what it is in such a way that we're only going to see them go up. And I, yeah. like even thinking about it where it's like, oh, well, we'll see how Tenet does. Like, I don't think so. I think... Honestly, that movie is going to be confusing enough that we're not really going to care what it's about. <laughs> like, hopefully, we'll just be able to see what they're doing. The performances, yeah. Um, but yeah, I yeah. Great. Uh, here's a weird tidbit. The whole time I was watching Casablanca, I wanted to cast. Excuse me. I wanted to cast Bruce Willis, who was obviously way too old. But I then realized that I cast John David Washington as Bruce Willis in Fifth Element. And I feel like I've now like linked John David Washington and Bruce Willis into my brain. Like anytime I want Bruce Willis, I'm like, oh, John David Washington. But I don't know why. I don't know why that happened. Low key though, low key, Bruce Willis though. <laughs> I'm not mad about it. Is it is it better if Rick is like 60 years old and then like Ilsa walks in and she's like a 40 year old and like their lives have really moved on? Like instead of so like this movie takes place during June 1940 and then December 1941. So there's about a year and a half before Rick and Elsa see each other again. Mm-hmm. Is it better if it's like 20 years, 30 years? Like it would be. I, I, a completely different reunion but i think that's i think that's an interesting take i thought about i i, I thought about it in my head for a little bit and i was just like i don't does that mean like rick fought in world war one like is that why he's there like it, it it's mm. really it, i was just like i don't have time to write this whole thing out so <laughs> um but that was just something weird that i i realized about bruce willis and john david washington for me um Great, let's move on to Ilsa, the second most famous Ilsa in cinematic history. Is the other one from Frozen? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Whoa! Yes, of course it is. Uh, A movie I've only seen once. I don't know. I Actually, I don't remember which which one is Ilsa. Is she the Frost frost Lady? Yes. And technically it's Elsa, which is a completely different name, but similar. Is it? Oh. Oh, you know who is a famous Ilsa? Is Indiana Jones Ilsa. Oh, you're right. Okay. It is Elsa. Indiana Jones is Ilsa. However, this Ilsa is not a Nazi. No. Okay. The one in Frozen is definitely a Nazi. Um, yeah, yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, I think you're up. It's my turn. So I kept things pretty tradish. I mean, it's really hard. Ingrid Bergman is absolutely stunning. And the way that they light her with her eyes filling with tears constantly is just. It was distracting. It's incredible. She is so distractingly gorgeous. She's stunning. And so I think (laughs) following that up is really tough because it more so than even like the star power of Humphrey Bogart, like some of these like classic film beauties. how do how do we how do we do it? Who who are these people for us? I went with 
a stunning Swedish actress whom we love by the name of Alicia Vikander. Me too. <laughs> Here's the thing. It, it seems like a lazy pick. No. But she checks all the boxes here. Yeah. It's, it's really weird. Like, I... I, she is here. Here's the thing. Like, I don't know how to. I'm actually getting flustered thinking about Ingrid Bergman in this movie. Like, <laughs> we were watching it, and I and I usually when Dana and I watch a movie, I'll be like, I'll, like she'll say like, do you think so and so is hot? Do you? Th-? And I'll be like, do you think so and so is hot? Like men and women just being okay. like, you know, and it's just a joke, right? Mm-hmm. I'm watching this movie, and out loud, I go, Ingrid Bergman is beautiful, and she just like Dana just like. Gave me a look of <laughs> such disdain that I had somehow like. She said, "Nobody asked you." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, totally, it was like the air escaped from the room. I was like, "Oh my god!" Um, but Alicia Vikander like checks all the boxes here. Like, Ilsa is soft and strong, and she is noble, and she is like. She, you know, she's an adulterer. She's like morally amorphous, but she has, she wants to be good. Like it has all of this complexity to her because of her past and her relationship with Rick and her marriage with Laszlo that like, she's a woman kind of caught in between the intrigue of Casablanca and the personal relationships that of the, of the men that are in the city. And that's not easy to do with a look and I think Elisa Vikander does that. Why did you come back? To tell me why you ran out on me at the railway station? Yes. Well, you can tell me now. I'm reasonably sober. I don't think I will, Rick. Why not? After all, I got stuck with a railway ticket. I think I'm entitled to know. Last night I saw what has happened to you. The Rick I knew in Paris, I could tell him he'd understand. But the one who looked at me with such hatred... I'll be leaving Casablanca soon and we'll never see each other again. We knew very little about each other when we were in love in Paris. If we leave it that way, maybe we'll remember those days, not Casablanca. Not last night. She's a very complicated character. And in the end, like I think there is something that updating this movie and kind of allowing her to defend herself a little more. Like We give a lot of credit to Rick for being the one who had his heart broke. But I think there's something to also recognizing and being like, hey, I thought my husband was dead. And I had been, we had been freedom fighters together. Like we Mm -hmm. knew each other for a long time. And so I was, you were my relief from that until I realized, like, I think there needs to be a fair, we need to give her a fair shake to be, to have made decisions for herself. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, this might sound creepy, and I don't mean to make it creepy, but I thought Ilsa being so young compared to Laszlo actually worked. Maybe not in comparison to Rick, who looked like the oldest man on earth, but I kind of like the idea of, like, she was a young girl getting swept up by an older intellectual. Uh, That made sense, like, not Mm -hmm. just for her character, but to explain her and Rick's relationship. Like, I just think it underlines how Laszlo was completely wrong for her, but he really becomes the only choice who she should be with at the end because Rick is this other type of person and he can't leave Casablanca. And like his life is not as valuable as Laszlo's life. Mm-hmm. And so like when choosing the two that can escape, 
he's obviously going to make the most noble decision by putting the most noble person on it and her. Yeah. So, uh, but I think that that made things so complicated because it's, and we'll talk about Laszlo, you know, as well, but like, he's someone that you kind of should hate, but he's so morally good that like, it. that's yeah. such a, I mean, it's a brilliant complexity that we've seen time and time again now, but like, from the, from this, from the source material, it's like, it just is, it fucking works, man. Because, I mean, the only reason we really don't like him, I think, is because he gets in the way of this pairing that we're kind of wishing to resolve. Yes. And so, in and of himself, like, it's it's complicated. It's hard for us to look at Laszlo and be like, yeah, you should probably, you should be the one to stay behind. Because... <laughs> Ultimately, like as much as we don't want Ilsa to end up with him, I think we do want them to accomplish what they're going to accomplish. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, in a, in a way, a thankless character, but but sufficient in as much as it helps us to understand, like in these circumstances and in the middle of this time in history, like you couldn't even think about your own feelings, like you had to think about the the bigger picture of everything. Yeah. Oh, boy. This is a heavy one. This movie's so good. <laughs> it's like, it is it's really so, good. They're just like, there's no jokes here, guys. It's just pure enjoyment of this movie. Um, should we move on to, <laughs> should we move on to Victor Laszlo, played yeah, by Paul I think Henried? I think we're already there. I think we're in it. We're in it. Um, I guess it's technically my turn. Um, I wanted to pick an actor who could play the noble martyr, mm -hmm. someone who could be seen as the leader of the resistance, uh, who's dashing and intellectual, but someone who you root for to not get the girl, or you're at least conflicted if he should stay with her. And we saw this actor do this time and time again on Game of Thrones. I picked Michael Hoosman. Okay. Mikhail Hoosman, who played the second Dario, mm -hmm. is on The Haunting of Hill House. Uh, he's all over the map now, and I think he's really good. I mean, mm -hmm. um, he's got very striking features, and he usually plays like uh, more like white hat characters. Um, well, at least in Game of Thrones, he was kind of he was trying to be a scoundrel, but he really was like the recasting of that character no. like, just stripped all scoundrel out of it. Like he was just like, he's too endearing. He was so friend zoned. It, it, like as, as he, I don't know, but I think he, I think he would do great as Laszlo as someone who's like, I think Laszlo is more interested in the cause than Ilsa, which is why we don't mm -hmm. truly like him so much, but he's still, you know, I mean, you're not going to say that. I mean, he's the first, member of Amphita. You know what I mean? <laughs> Antifa. He's I mean, like the that, original. That's the, I mean, I think that's a very real thing that like what we're just talking about is the idea that like he, he, he does care about the cause more than her, but he has to. Like he is carrying so much weight. Yeah. As the leader of a movement on his shoulders, like we're just like we, it's hard to be mad at him about it. I mean, I think this is a good choice because, as much as I didn't like him as Dariana Harris number two, I think he's a great actor, and 
is is a lot softer and can play the sympathetic like uh the maybe the guy who is a little more kept in the dark until the end when he fully realizes the story between Rick and Ilsa but mm-hmm. um no yeah I think that's a great choice um thank you who you got I picked for my Victor Laszlo, which here's the thing, there was no there was no uh preconceived idea that that he needs to be a he needs to be a certified hottie. But I think we've I think we've accomplished that with both of our picks. <laughs> um I picked Who's certified, by the way? <laughs> is there a is there It's just uh, like... under it's just understood, you know what I'm saying? Like Okay. It's totally. not, there are no rules, but you know, you know, you know. Okay. Um, I picked for my Victor Laszlo, Matthias Schoenertz. I a know this person. Belgian actor um, who is in The Danish Girl, Far From the Matting Crowd, A Hidden two Life. Members, two members of The Danish Girl. Two cast members of the Danish Girl on your on your on your list. Here. Oh yeah, that's true. It's true. Oh yes. Um, um, yeah. I, you know what? I did look at him for this role. He was in um, Red Sparrow. Did you say that already? Yes, Rust and Bone. Yeah, he's great. And I have yet to use him, but I think he's a fantastic actor and someone who could play like that quiet confidence um, very well, which. Like, there is something really, I think, parallel about Rick and Victor um, and and who they are that you've pointed out that I think is really interesting. Like, it's and it's not just how, like, Ilsa falls for the same kind of guy. I think it's they understand each other in a Mm -hmm. certain way. And so I think I think this works as like picking sort of like uh, strong, silent actors to be fierce at each other. You know the leader of the underground movement in Paris, in Prague, in Brussels, in Amsterdam, in Oslo, in Belgrade, in Athens? Even Berlin? Yes, even in Berlin. If you will furnish me with their names and their exact whereabouts, you will have your visa in the morning. And the honor of having served the Third Reich. I was in a German concentration camp for a year. It's honor enough for a lifetime. You will give us the names? If I didn't give them to you in a concentration camp, where you had more persuasive methods at your disposal. I certainly won't give them to you now. And what if you track down these men and kill them? What if you murdered all of us? From every corner of Europe, hundreds, thousands would rise to take our places. Even Nazis can't kill that fast. Yeah, I think this is a great pick. I want I want more of this guy, so I enjoy this pick. Great. We did it. Shall we move on to Captain Louis Renault? Yes. Played by Claude Rains, my favorite character in this film by far. By far. Renault is in love with Rick, right? <laughs> I don't. It, there were moments where he was very like Dean Pelton from Community and like Jeff <laughs> Winger. Um, I don't know. I just love that he was like the shady bureaucrat who plays both sides mm-hmm. and greases his own wheels. Yeah. And you don't know if he's good or bad. Like you, you think he's good, but you just like you, you can't trust this guy. Like. 
if the Nazis basically handed him like a thousand dollars, everyone in that club would have just been murdered. He just been yeah, like, yeah, kill all these people. Yeah. So I'm not saying I like him because he was the good guy. I just like him because he was a little like he's just shady. Um, <laughs> we love shady people. I know. Did he love Rick? Ooh, what? Listen, there were lots of times where I was like, he's trying to flirt with him. <laughs> he's like, you, Rick, you crazy. You're so handsome. Why? You, you're so lucky. <laughs> Mademoiselle, you're in Rick's. And Rick is... Uh... He's what? Well, Mademoiselle, he's the kind of man that, well, if I were a woman and I were not around, I should be in love with Rick. And then he cried on the inside. But I think that is a... Like, there are so many times, I think, where he is giving Rick more credit than he's even due. Because he's like... I think he's in... If not, he's in love with Rick. He's in love with the idea of him. Yeah. Because he's not attached to any government. He's not attached to any military. He He's doing whatever he wants to do. But also, I think he's in love with him. Um, okay. Is it my turn? <laughs> it is your turn. Um, for my Captain Renault, I picked Vincent Cassell, who I really liked for this because I just saw him in Westworld season three and I thought he was great. And um, I think there is something to him that's so enjoyable to watch that we would be on board with the idea of, do we like this guy? Do we not like this guy? Are we on his side? Are we not on his side? Is he on our side? What's going on? Like, I think you need someone captivating in order to keep you watching that kind of character. Uh, and I think he's really captivating. He is. As an um, actor. I don't love him so much in the Ocean's Eleven trilogy, but I loved him in... Um, and I don't think that was his fault. I think that's Soderbergh and the studio recobbling an old script of another heist movie and making mm -hmm. it fit. Uh, um, but have you seen Eastern Promises? I have. He's incredible in that. Yeah. He's incredible. I think he's an incredible actor. I think this is a great pick. Um, again, the ages of these actors are a little strange. Like Claude Rains was 43. Humphrey Bogart was 43. Ingrid Bergman was 27. So it's sort of like Renault could be any age. He yeah. could be 20. He could be 75. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. Um, but I do like Vincent Cassell. He's really good. I'm going to tell you who I picked, and then I'll explain it. I picked Daniel Bruhl. Okay. And I really wanted him because he's already played one of the most famous Nazis in cinema. And I thought mm. I'd give him a redemption role by okay. being the guy who helps kill and impede the Nazis. Yes. But most importantly, when he shows up on screen, you hesitate whether... You know, you can trust him at all because, like, as soon as he shows up, you remember Inglorious Bastards, and you're mm -hmm. like, "This guy sucks! Like, <laughs> he's he's a bad guy. Don't trust him." And I think, like, giving him a role like this, just naturally having him in this role, you're immediately just like, "I don't know, bro." Like, I, I you know, he, I know he, he, I think he's from Brussels, or I think he's from where is he from? I think he's German. He's a Spanish German actor. Mm-hmm. Wow, his real name is Daniel Cesar Martin Brule Gonzalez Domingo. Wow, that's a lot of do names. You, do you think he knows that? <laughs> <laughs> do you know what your name is? He's not playing the Inglorious Bastards guy anymore. He's playing. Mm -hmm. Um, he's playing the middleman. He's playing the bureaucrat, and he's loving it, and he's enjoying it. Yeah. But in the end, he turns out to be an ally, and you're like, oh. Maybe Daniel Brule ain't so bad. 
I like that. I like that as a as a turn for because there is something whimsical about about Renault that I think you have to capture. Like there's something yeah. so free about him that he's like having a good like the world is burning, but he's having a good time. May I present Mrs. Zalant? I was informed you were the most beautiful woman ever to visit Casablanca. That was a gross understatement. You're very kind. Won't you join us? Uh, if you will permit me. Oh, no, Emil, please. A bottle of your best champagne and put it on my bill. Very well, sir. Captain, please. Oh, please, monsieur. It is a little game we play. They put it on the bill. I tear up the bill. It is very convenient. Yes. Um, okay. Shall we move on to Sam? Yes. Played by Dooley Wilson. I didn't know this. That was, Dooley Wilson was a professional drummer who faked hmm. playing the piano. I, I thought that was a little bit of a betrayal on Dooley Wilson's <laughs> part, but you know what? To, pre- to pretend to play the piano. Yeah. I feel like we have to recast Sam in this movie, mostly because I feel like if you remade it, he has to be a bigger character. Totally. Like, the fact that you find out... Like, I love Ilsa kind, kind of being the first person to be like, oh, she knows Sam. So clearly she must know something else is happening. Like, I, I love bringing him in in more of a real... because And, I mean, it was the 40s, so maybe this is just the way it was. Not that that's okay, but, like, I think it's just like, oh, he's like he's like the sidekick that gets no... It gets no attention. But I'm like, no, I think he really is, like, Rick's right-hand man. And he couldn't yeah. have Rick's the cafe without him. And so I think there is... There is just something more to that relationship that could be a lot of fun. It's been a long time. Yes, ma'am. A lot of water under the bridge. Where is Rick? I don't know. I ain't seen him all night. When will he be back? Not tonight no more. He ain't coming. Uh, He went home. Does he always leave so early? Oh, he never. Well, he's got a girl up to the Blue Parrot. He goes up there all the time. You used to be a much better liar, sir. Leave him alone, Miss Elsa. You bad luck to him. Yeah, I kept thinking that, like, Sam and Rick should have a deeper relationship. Whether or not they, like, they started the, the like, did they leave America together? Hmm. Like... Did Rick was Rick just like did Rick just know Sam and was just like Sam has an amazing talent we got to get him out of here we got to like let's just go come with me to Paris we'll open a bar and Sam's like okay let's go or did they meet in Paris during that scene and then you know there has to be more there's just so much room there for more context and relationship like what does Sam think of Ilsa that's something that like yeah when she walks in he's just sort of like oh no. Like, my boss is going to go on a bender. But, like, yeah. he must personally have some, like, did her not coming to the train station affect Sam in some way? Like, there has to be some, or, or does he just still, like, you know, we're still friends. I still love you. Like, you know, does he, what are his, like, we just don't get his thoughts. And that's that's a shame. And yeah, because I think we should. I think, like, when he sees like we're just be- I feel like the movie is just begging for more moments of us seeing seeing like Sam's reaction and then going to Rick and then like he should be instead of necessarily seeing all these flashbacks like 
I think there is a world where we see more of them bouncing things off of each other because clearly in moments when they do interact, there is a deep friendship there. Like, like Rick is the one who makes the money because he's able to. And so he makes sure Sam's taken care of and Sam's never going to leave him because they're a team. Like, it just feels like we're only taking it so far when there is something else to be mined in that relationship. Totally. Um, I think it's my turn. Yeah. I'm very happy with this cast. Mm-hmm. With this casting. Um, I, <laughs> I'm not sure about her acting ability. Obviously, there's evidence of it, and I'll go through it. But it's, I'm really casting her for her musical talent. I picked Alicia Keys. Mm. Um, she has acted, right? She was in a movie called The Secret Life of Bees. Oh, okay. 2008, which I don't know. But she was also in Crazy 88s. So I don't know. Like, I don't know that. I don't know. She's done it before and uh, well enough to be in at least two movies. I, I, <laughs> I, I trust her. That's the thing. Like, I trust her to get there as a performer. Yeah. And I think just like, you know, the musical numbers would will be so incredible. Mm-hmm. And that's um, important. Like... So much of this movie is as time goes by and what the song means and how important it is to their relationship. Like, the music is important. Yeah. Um, okay, yeah. I mean, I'm willing to give Alicia Keys a shot. <laughs> Why not? Why not? Um, I picked an actor I love and whose voice I would absolutely die to just hear croon as time goes by leslie odom jr oh that's really good the og aaron burr i think i think he is i i don't know why he's not in more in more stuff hot off of hamilton because i think he's absolutely incredible but i wonder um, do people is that because people think of him as a singer more than an actor which is insane like everyone in that cast is an actor first right you would think i um that's a really good question but it's it what's fascinating to me is how i think like david diggs has come out of the it hamilton in a in a very you talking snow piercer on tnt <laughs> you talking you talking that pierce bro you talking you that t- s pierce we talking about the snow we're t- yeah the bong hive is alive um <laughs> On TNT. Um, <laughs> and they know drama. <laughs> so, but it's it's interesting how I feel like he's gotten more like actory roles because I think, yeah, I think it's possible that people see him more as a singer. But I think, I think it, this could, something like this, I think would, you couldn't just hand it to him and be like, so you're the accompaniment. Like, yeah. no. This this would be bigger for him, but I love this because I I love him and I love his voice and I think uh, it would be really special to to hear him do this. You gonna watch that Hamilton live on Disney Plus? Oh, I actually cannot wait. <laughs> I'm very excited. <laughs> That's a great pick. I'm a little bummed I didn't think of him. Weirdly, I thought because I was going through like different Ricks in my head, I thought of him as Rick, and I never was just like, hey, maybe we should. Think of him as for Sam, although we had Sam sort of come back later, later in the set list a little mm-hmm. bit. Uh, great, we did it. I I think this is actually you know 
probably not our funniest episode, but this is a really stellar cast on both ends for yeah. a movie that theoretically should never be remade. Okay, movie exec. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I'd um, watch this. Of course. Well, how I'd about watch this? this? But kind of where's Barry Pepper go? <laughs> we gotta know. I made him. I don't know if it's Burger or Berger. He's the French Resistance um, liaison in the club who's trying to. He's like, I have a ring for you to buy, and then yes. he's like, Secret Dakota ring, baby. <laughs> Drink your Liber- team, Liber- baby. Liberty, Viva la France. Yes. Um. Yeah. Yes, I did the same thing. I think because I, there was. He, I don't think he's quite squirrely enough to be. I think it's Sasha who's the other character um who gets arrested at the club like yeah yeah i think i think that's a great it's a great quick role for him i also love that exchange of how quickly and quietly they're able to be like no please take a look at the ring sir and it's like <laughs> da 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. no i yeah, don't want your he- ring but i will drink champagne cocktails with you and he's also not like he doesn't have like the villain i don't know he like uh, Sydney Greenstreet, who played Senor Ferrari, the like rival to Rick's like underground club, mm-hmm. but was really like, you know, we're, we're we survive on the black market, but we're gonna look out for each other. Like we just, yeah, we're rivals in business, but like we're not gonna fuck with these Nazis or anything. Like I don't think Barry Pepper has that kind of like, um, I don't know if it's the look or or what it is, but it's like I don't I don't see him as like a italian expat living in monaco you know selling opium (laughs) Uh, oh no (laughs) sorry barry i just i don't know barry you can do anything but don't do that um okay we're almost at the end here but did you have any other notes for this movie other than the fact that people in the 40s like i don't even know if this was real or if like it just happened in movies like some of the stuff they say to each other is just wild like what like the phrasing is so weird like there's a point where rick is like who are you what were you where were you before what did you do what did you think and he's like asking her all these questions like it's like tell me about yourself and i was just like what are you saying (laughs) i mean you can't blame the 40s for having a certain way to speak but i think that's the thing is i'm like is that real or is this like the the movie version oh no no did, were people walking around saying, here's looking at you, kid? Uh, certainly after this movie, they were. I guess he also <laughs> had said it in a previous movie. Like, that's a line he made up. Oh, um, of course like, it is. <laughs> he was just like, I'm going to bring this old chestnut back and just let it fly. And uh, who's there? Oh, Martin Cur- Martin Curtis, who we forgot to mention. Um Director of Robin Hood and White Christmas, which we did on episode 44 of the old Mm -hmm. podcast. Um, He was just like, yeah, baby, hit me. Come on. Come on, Hump. Come on, Humphrey. Just just give me some of those gems. There was a part of him that was like, he's going to say this three different times in the movie. (laughs) And we're not going to be able to cut around it. We can't cut around it. It better fucking work, Humphrey. I don't know why. This is the only other piece of trivia that I loved. Reportedly, many of the shadows were painted onto the set. I love that. Huh. I think that's so cool. Paint shadows, man. Um, Old that's a school. really 
That's a really deflating piece of trivia that I brought. But I don't know why. That just filled me with so much joy. It's just like one of those things where it's just like, we it's like we need 20, like, we needed a full jazz band and a bunch of, like, champagne bottles. And then some little art department <laughs> gopher is just like, I'm on it, chief. And then, like, goes and gets it and brings it back. And it's like... Uh, let's uh, let's paint some shadows over here, and let's uh, get this lady a wig, and let's make a movie. We're making a picture. We're making a picture. Come on. We're making a picture. See? Yeah. I don't know. Uh, would you remake this movie? Here's the thing. I don't think it's entirely untouchable, but also certain things, maybe we just shouldn't. I definitely would not remake this movie, but it feels mm-hmm. like someone will someday. Mm-hmm. Whether or not they succeed yeah. is another question. I think there might be a road to success, a la A Star is Born. But I, mm-hmm. un- weirdly in my mind, it's like, well, history would then have to repeat for us to do this, and I don't want that. <laughs> yeah. So, so I'm going to... S- like, let's just put this back in the vault and say, you know what? We gave it a good go. In 2020, maybe this is a possibility in our little imaginations and just leave it leave it to rest. Um, great job. We did it. We did it. Guys, thank you so much for joining us this week on Rebooted. If you like this episode, please rate and subscribe us. Please tell your friends and your enemies and your family and strangers. We are marching very quickly to our 100th episode, which I guarantee you is going to blow your mind. It's certainly going to put Kenna in the vice grip of all vice grips. Oh my gosh. Um, so, Kenna, where can the people find us? You can find this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Podbean, or wherever you get your podcasts. Stop by and leave us a rating and a review. That's the best way to help us out. You can also find us now on Ko-fi, where you can go to make a very small donation to help us keep making this podcast. That link is in our description and all over Twitter. Speaking of Twitter, you can find us on social media at RebootedPod everywhere. It's all the same. Great. All right, guys. We will see you next time. Here's looking at you, child. Oh, now that sounds worse. Kid, baby. <laughs> ba- here's looking at you, baby. <laughs> oh, okay, bye. man, and man must have his mate that no one can deny. It's still the same old story A fight for love and glory A case of do or die The world will always welcome lovers As time goes by Louis? I think this is the beginning of a beautiful friendship.